our teacher, uh, the master Thich Nhat Hanh, and it's a, of a calligraphy and a poem he wrote, uh, and the words are, and I changed it from I to we, the tears we've shed have become rain, the pure land is here and now on earth. The tears we've shed yesterday have become rain. The tears we've shed yesterday have become rain. The pure land is here and now, here and now on earth. The pure land is here and now, here and now on earth. Tears we've shed yesterday have become rain. The tears we've shed yesterday have become rain. The pure land is. Here and now, here and now on earth. The pure land is here and now, here and now on earth. The tears we've shed yesterday have become rain the tears we've shed yesterday have become rain the pure land is here and now here and now on the pure land is here and now, here and now on
You're invited to take your comfortable meditation position, pulling yourself up from your waist, chest, shoulders, head, the crown of your head in alignment with your spine, your throat, back a little, your eyes lightly closed, your palm of your hands on your on your legs or in your lap. If you like, you can turn your palms up in a symbol of surrender and receive. But if that's not comfortable, rest your hands wherever is comfortable. Enjoy your breathing. In, out. Now begin to count to four as you breathe in. Pause a moment. And then count to four as you breathe out. What is breathing? Your mind, your lungs, your nose, your belly. Release control of your breath and just observe your breathing in, breathing out. Just be a detached observer of your breath. As soon as we try this, our mind jumps in to control our breath. So, what is breathing? Your lungs, your mind, Breathing in, I am only aware that I am breathing in. Breathing out, I am only aware that I am breathing out. With my instructions, it is, is it I who is breathing for you? Who is breathing? room, breathing in, breathing out.
be aware of all people on earth breathing in, breathing out. You are breathing. Who is the you who is breathing? Be aware of the trees and flowers and weeds outside our windows, breathing in, breathing out. Be aware of all plants on earth, breathing in, breathing out. You are breathing. Who is the you who is breathing? Be aware of the lake. Breathing in, breathing out. Be aware of all bodies of water on earth. Breathing in, breathing out. You are breathing. Who is the you who is breathing? Be aware of all mountains, rocks, beaches, and soil on our planet Earth. Breathing in, breathing out. You are breathing. Who is the you who is breathing? Be aware of all birds, fish, insects, and other animals on our earth, breathing in, breathing out. You are breathing. Who is the you who is breathing?
become aware that you are breathing in, breathing out with all people, animals, plants, and minerals living on our mother, Earth. You are breathing who is the you who is breathing. Breathe in and out with the cosmos, with all stars, suns, moons, planets, all heavenly bodies, breathing in, breathing out. One cosmic in-breath. One cosmic outbreath in out you are breathing who is the you who is breathing breathing who do you think you are to our teacher today is offered by um, Dharma sister Erin Ray. We offer our respect and gratitude to our teacher whose wisdom and insight is already present in each one of us and in the collective Sangha body, the beloved community gathered here to study and practice together. We're here this weekend because each of us, in one way or another, has directly experienced the powerful medicine of the Buddha's teachings through Thai's effort to translate and make them relevant for our cultures and times. The walls we've built up around our hearts are cracked and the light of compassion is shining through. Thank you, dear Tai, for your skillful, artful, poetic, 
and insightful ways of bringing these teachings to us. Because of your wisdom and compassion, we have a path to understanding and happiness, the five mindfulness trainings that is immediately applicable to our own lives. And we have the example of your life, your true teaching, which shows us how to be love in action. So we've met the Bodhisattva Manjushri, who reminds us to stay young at heart and who offers us six ways to manifest the wisdom of Prajnaparamita. We've met Avalokiteshvara, who teaches us that because we are all one, it is important to be compassionate to ourselves and to others. So today we meet Bodhisattvas Samatamadra. BK wrote Faith and Love to honor the Bodhisattva Samatamadra and the his energy that is in each of us. Sometimes I walk alone When I feel like crying Sometimes I dream when I'm wide awake When I've lost what I've forgotten Keep on loving, keep standing tall, keep on reminding each other that we're all already here now. Keep your faith in love. Sometimes I can't remember when we would walk together. Holding hands Sometimes just like the other day We would stop to smile And say Keep on loving 
keep standing tall. Keep on reminding each other that we're all already here now. Keep your faith in love. And every time I close my eyes, I remember who I am Every time I close my eyes I think of the friends we've lost And found again Keep on loving, yeah Keep standing tall Keep on reminding each other That we're all already here now Keep your faith in love Samata means universally extending, and Hadra means great virtue. So Samata Bodhisattva is the Bodhisattva extending great virtue universally, usually called the Bodhisattva of great conduct, or in our tradition, the Bodhisattva of Great Action. Bodhisattva Samatamadra carries a lotus in one hand, which we remember symbolizes wisdom or understanding, and in the other hand, a wish-fulfilling jewel symbolizing compassion. So we see right away that this Bodhisattva is one with Manjushri and Avalokita. Like uh, Manjushri, Samatamhadra was an assistant to Shakyamuni Buddha. Sometimes these three are called the sacred trinity. Samatamhadra rides a white elephant with six tusks, 
which represent overcoming attachment to the six senses, which Avalokita warned us about. And they represent the cultivation of the six Prajnaparamitas, which Manjushri taught us. Samatamhadra taught that in order to wake up, you need to cultivate both Manjushri's wisdom and Avalokiteshvara's compassion. If you develop only the compassionate part of yourself, neglecting the wisdom, you may become a good-hearted fool. If you develop only the intellectual side of yourself and neglect the compassionate, you may turn into a hard-hearted intellect. Samatamhadra taught that understanding and compassion are never ends in themselves. They have value only when they benefit ourselves and others. So the way Samatamhadra teaches Prajnaparamita is by combining understanding and compassion into five concrete, noble conduct practices. Five things you can do, you can be, in order to wake up, to be happy. These practices are the discipline that we found in the second of Manjushri's Prajnaparamitas. And they are the focus of the five mindfulness trainings. Tai says, the five mindfulness trainings are some of the most concrete ways to practice the Buddha's teachings. They are non-sectarian and their nature is universal. They are true practices of compassion and understanding. All spiritual traditions have their equivalent of the five mindfulness trainings. In each of the five trainings, we're asked to become aware of a particular suffering and to make specific vows for taking action to put an end to the suffering. The first noble conduct mindfulness training, Reverence for Life, addresses the particular suffering of violence. The vows we make are to protect life and to decrease violence in ourselves, our families, and the world. In the late 1960s, we wanted to um, protect life and decrease violence. So we organized a lot of what we called peace rallies. And I think we invented the yell, what do we want? Peace! When do we want it? Now! We were fighting for peace. But we wanted them, the soldiers, our government, to be peace. 
And as you know quite well, our yelling, fighting strategy didn't work. The violence, the killings, the wars, the discriminative thinking have continued. The Bodhisattva Samatamhadra offers a Prajnaparamita way to work for peace. A way that's based on understanding, wisdom, and compassion. We don't yell and fight for peace. We don't wait for others to make peace. We be peace. We train ourselves to live peace. To do this, we vow to do what we can to protect the lives of plants and minerals and animals and people. We begin by cultivating respect and reverence for our own lives. To remember to value ourselves, appreciate our intentions, respect our efforts, even when we mess up. Several years ago, my grandbaby, who was 14 at the time, Chase, taught me a good strategy for honoring my efforts. He said, Alma, you know how when somebody does something cool, you give them a high five? He said, well, when you do something cool, like you tell a funny joke and nobody laughs, well, just give yourself a self-five. So a few days after Chase taught me that, I was in the grocery store, and my phone rang, and it was Gustavo's mama, who, is, um, who lives in Mexico, and she's mostly deaf, and she only speaks Spanish. And I was in this noisy grocery store, and my Spanish is horrible. So when I noticed it was her, I would usually have just let it keep ringing and call Gustavo real quick and say, call your mama. But this time, I was brave. I answered the phone, bueno, and then I listened to her very carefully, and then I dragged up enough Spanish to answer her, and then I said at the end, saludos a todos, Cuidate mucho, which is what Gustavo always says to his mama before he hangs up. And then I put the phone in my pocket and right there in the H-E-B, gave myself a self five. <laughs> so building on our compassion for ourselves, we learn to cherish the lives of our loved ones and friends. Then, because this is a training that teaches us to eliminate violence, not only in ourselves and our loved ones, we expand our compassion to including valuing the lives of strangers and even difficult people, people we don't like. Thai ads. 
it is not just by not killing with your body that you observe the first mindfulness training. If in your thinking you allow killing the violence to go on, you also break this training. We must be determined not to condone any violence, even in our minds. When you believe, for example, that yours is the only way for humankind and that everyone who follows another way is your enemy, millions of people could be killed because of that idea. How do we ever learn to develop the compassion needed to protect the lives of mass shooters or those responsible for starving millions of children and driving people from their homes in Iraq or Syria or Yemen or Honduras or El Salvador? We can't even understand how our neighbor votes for a different political party. Ty gives us the answer. Peace in oneself, peace in the world. To practice nonviolence, he says, we must first learn ways to deal peacefully with ourselves. If we create true harmony within ourselves, we will know how to deal with family, friends, and associates, to deal with animals, plants, and minerals, to deal with the difficult people. About reverence for life, Thoreau put it this way, every creature is better alive than dead men and moose and pine trees. And he who understands it aright will rather preserve its life than destroy it. The second of the noble conduct mindfulness trainings is true happiness. The particular suffering it addresses is stealing taking something that's not ours, something that's not freely offered to us, also taking more than our share of the resources. We steal, we crave, we grasp because we want to avoid the discomfort we feel when we don't have something we want. Kai says that what destroys craving and greed is knowing how to feel satisfied with few possessions. He says, this helps us to avoid buying unnecessarily and becoming part of an economic system that exploits others. Because we are afraid that we won't have enough for ourselves, if everyone else has what they need, we allow poverty and hunger to exist. Our craving encourages the market to find ways 
to persuade us to consume more, which means factories produce more, which means they need more resources, which leads to the destruction of the environment, to pollution of water, soil, and air. And because of our cravings, governments invade other governments and people are killed as we grasp for more natural resources like oil, lumber, and cheap labor. Stealing then takes the forms of exploitation, social injustice, and oppression. So the suffering caused by my craving does not only affect me, my craving hurts you and other people, animals, plants, and minerals, hurts the earth. The antidote to craving, to taking more than our share, is generosity which we remember is the first of the six Prajnaparamitas. According to the Buddha, there are three kinds of gifts. The first gift is our stuff to give our money and our things away for others to enjoy, to consume less, to live simply with few possessions. The second kind of generosity is to help people rely on themselves, to offer them the dharma or the technology or the know-how in order to stand on their own feet so that they can transform their anger, fear, and depression. Thai notes, the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara is someone who practices this extremely well. The third kind of generosity is the gift of non-fear. Tai says, we are afraid of many things. We feel insecure, afraid of being alone, afraid of sickness and dying. To help people not be destroyed by their fears, we practice that third kind of giving. Listening deeply to ourselves and others is this kind of generosity. Having the courage to stay open-hearted to others in the midst of fear and pain. Being willing to be present to others not out of a sense of duty, but because we realize our heart is part of a larger cosmic heart. If we are generous with our stuff, our know-how, and our presence, we can put an end to stealing, grasping, and craving. About this training on generosity, Mr. Rogers says, the greatest gift you ever give is your honest self. 
Thai says, when you practice one precept deeply, you will discover that you're practicing all five. That's why he lets us just um, sign up to receive just one training. He knows that it's a trick. The first precept is about taking life, which is a form of stealing. Stealing the most precious thing someone has, his or her life. When we meditate on the second precept, we see that stealing, killing slowly by exploitation, social injustice, and oppression, is our acts of killing. We see the inner being nature of the first two precepts. This is true of all five precepts. Our teacher named the third great conduct mindfulness training, true love. The particular suffering it addresses is the kind of sexual energy that hurts ourselves and others. Sexual energy that manipulates, exploits, controls, or establishes power over someone. This noble conduct training calls on us to recognize when we're reaching out to people from true love, and to differentiate that from when we're caught up in craving, loneliness, or self-absorption. The training doesn't judge sex as good or bad, but it does ask us to commit to learning appropriate ways to take care of our sexual energy, to look at our motivation and intentions around our sexual energy, and to respond to our human urges, cravings, hopes, and fears with wisdom and compassion. We could respond to our sexual cravings with denial and suppression, turning against ourselves and our human appetites. Or we could respond with indulgence and addiction, turning away from the consequences of our actions for ourselves and others. Or we can respond with the middle path, by accepting our humanness and using it to cultivate true love. This learning how to understand and skillfully express our sexuality and our desire for intimacy is a lifelong journey. Tai says, in Buddhism, the teaching of love is crucial. Loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity are the elements of true love. <laughs> <laughs> 
and we can practice them every day. But love is different from sexual pleasure. If the act of sexually, sexuality takes place without deep love, commitment, and mutual understanding, it can bring a lot of suffering and destruction. When there is deep understanding and communication, happiness becomes possible. With mindfulness, with the practice of understanding and compassion, sexual life can be beautiful and holy. About this training, Barry Magid, who was the founder of Ordinary Mind Zindo in New York City, said, to be in a real relationship, a loving relationship, is simply to be willing to respond and be there for the other person without always calculating what we're going to get out of it. The particular focus of the fourth noble conduct mindfulness training is the suffering caused by unmindful, unskillful speech and the inability to listen well to ourselves and to others. We vow to learn Avalokita's practice of loving speech and deep listening to speak and listen with all of our attention and open-heartedness, without prejudice, without judging or reacting, to listen in order to really understand what's being said and not said. As bodhisattvas in training, we do have the intention to listen like that, But if, for example, someone criticizes us or we feel angry or hurt or shamed, it's hard to listen deeply and speak lovingly. Instead, we usually either shut down or tell the other person just how angry we are. Even though we know that this let the angry truth be known strategy never stops criticism or blame or anger, nor does it put an end to our unhappiness. Tai says, sometimes we speak clumsily and create internal knots in others. Then we say, I was just telling the truth. It may be the truth, but if your way of speaking causes unnecessary suffering, it's not loving speech. Words that damage or destroy are not loving speech. You must tell the truth in ways that others can accept. If you're not able to speak calmly, then don't speak that day. Ty says, you have to train yourself to be able to do this. 
I listened to a TED Talk on 10 ways to be a good listener. Here they are. Number one on the list, this is a, maybe a surprise, be present. <laughs> be prepared to be amazed what the other says. Don't preach. Be interested in others. Ask open-ended questions. If something in the conversation reminds you of one of your stories, let your story go. If you don't know, say so. Don't equate your experience with theirs. It's not about you. Don't repeat yourself. Stay out of the weeds. Don't go into a lot of detail. Listen with the intent to understand instead of the intent to reply. Be brief. So here are three tips that might help with your practice of deep listening and loving speech. Maybe you know some of these. You could use the acronym HALT. This will help you recognize four of the possible reasons you might pause before speaking or not speaking at all. H-A-L-T. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Then maybe you don't want to speak. Or you could use the acronym WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? <laughs> or ask yourself, does what I have to say improve on the silence? <clears throat> About the fourth noble conduct training, Hafiz said, what we speak becomes the house we live in. Who will want to sleep in your bed if the roof leaks right above it? Look what happens when the tongue cannot say to kindness, I will be your slave. The moon covers her face with both hands and can't bear to look. The fifth noble mindfulness training focuses on the suffering caused by mindless consumption. In this training, we promise to do our best to not cover up our suffering with consumption. We promise to look deeply into how we nourish or harm our body and mind. The training lists many examples of how we consume, how what we consume can harm our body and mind, as well as harm our family, friends, society, and the earth. So some examples are gambling, using alcohol and drugs, 
spending time on certain websites or electronic games, TV shows, movies, listening to music that's toxic, reading certain magazines, books, participating in conversations that are harmful. That's what the training teaches. But when we talk about the training on consumption, we're usually caught up into whether we can have a glass of wine at dinner or a beer or margarita with friends. The training doesn't answer this for us. Instead, it asks us to avoid whatever causes mindlessness, whatever fosters mindlessness. In other words, to avoid being careless, inattentive, mechanical. So the training is not about whether an occasional glass of wine makes you a bad Buddhist. It's about whether you have a glass of wine or a bottle of beer or a margarita in order to escape or to distract yourself or to hide from reality or to be cool to fit in or out of habit. And it's about what happens to your body and mind, how alcohol and drugs affect the way you think, speak, and act. The training is also about what happens in the world when we drink alcohol. For example, what happens to the earth when we use so many of our resources to raise grapes or hops or agave or alcohol. I remember mm, a long time ago, many years ago, Brian, it wasn't this Brian, another young man who had just been ordained in our sangha, and he said, I don't have addiction issues, but I have friends who do, so I don't drink wine or beer, because that, that, that way they will have a friend who supports them. This training does not just ask us to reflect on the, on the effects of alcohol on ourselves and our society, we're also asked to reflect on what else we consume that harms us, other people, and the earth. For example, what happens to you when you consume violence in conversations or movies or online or music or video games? When you read books, newspapers, or magazines containing violence? What happens to our children, our grandchildren, other people? What happens to the media industry when we consume violence? Ty says that consumption is not happiness. So what is happiness? In one of his commentaries on the fifth noble training, conduct training, Tai says, the fifth precept tells us 
to find wholesome spiritual nourishment. Not only for ourselves, but for our children and future generations. Wholesome spiritual nourishment can be found in the moon, the spring blossoms, or the eyes of a child. The most basic meditation practices of becoming aware of our bodies, our minds, and our world can lead us into a far more rich and fulfilling state than drugs or alcohol or aggression. We can celebrate the joys that are available in the simplest pleasures. About the training on mindful consumption and healthy living, Daniel Ladinsky, a poet in his own right who also translates the poems of Hafiz and others, said, Like a child at a circus, I am in awe of the postman driving by and the people walking past and that squirrel out on a limb and the sound of a pot in the kitchen and the water sprinkler in my own breathing. Reading the five mindfulness trainings and doing what we can to put them into practice, we are the continuation of the Bodhisattva Samatamadra, joyfully practicing, not just studying, but living understanding and compassion. That's the Prajnaparamita teaching of Bodhisattva Samatamadra, the Bodhisattva of great action. Our work is to cherish and nurture the perfect noble conduct that lives within us. So we'll now touch the earth or bow deeply to honor the life and teachings of the Bodhisattva Samatamadra and to nurture those teachings in ourselves. Please rise. Invoking the Bodhisattva Samatamadra, I let go of my attachment to my belief that my six senses are the beacons of actual reality. I let go of my attachment that my possessions are the measures of my self-worth. I let go of my attachment that I am somebody because I help lessen injustice in the world. I let go of my attachment that it's up to me 
to save the world or anyone. Please bow deeply or touch the earth. Dear Mother, with your energy, please help me become a Bodhisattva Samatamadra to bring joy to one person in the morning and to ease the pain of one person in the afternoon, to continually remember that the happiness of others is my happiness, to practice joy on the path of service. I now boldly and wholeheartedly vow to integrate my intellect with my understanding, to unite my compassion with my wisdom. I aspire not to work for peace, but to be peace, to eliminate violence. I aspire to share my resources, to live simply with few possessions, to help people rely on themselves so we can all remain open-hearted to the others in the midst of fear and pain. I aspire to be aware of my sexual cravings in order to cultivate true love, to offer unconditional love so that we can all feel taken care of, appreciated, safe, and free. I aspire to listen and speak with all of my attention and open-heartedness, without prejudice, without judging or reacting. I aspire to really care about what happens in my body and what happens in the world. Please rise and then be seated for a few moments of silent reflection. Keep on reminding each other that we're all already here now. Keep your faith in
May the fruit of our study of the life and teachings on the Bodhisattva Samatamadra, who teaches the concrete Prajnapara practices of the five mindfulness trainings, benefit us, which includes our teacher and all beings. <laughs>